Welcome to the Self-Made Writers Podcast. I'm Kim Anderson from KimAndersonConsulting.com, and I'm here to give you your regular dose of writing adrenaline. Today I'm really excited to have Chrissy Reese from Data Driven Rebel on the podcast. I've known Chrissy quite a while. I don't remember how we met though. How did we meet meet? Where like did we meet in person or did we were you a coaching client first? I was a coaching client first. So I had bought into um actually it was one of my very first online course, like big purchases bought into another program. And I was not happy with the level of support and service that I was getting there. And I kept seeing you slide into comments in other places. And I'm like, who is this? And I need to work with her. And so that brought me, that ended up bringing me to you. And I think I started in your masterminds. Yeah. I feel like it was mastermind groups for sure. Yeah. So speaking of which mastermind groups are open, if you want to register, um, but, <laughs> uh, I just want to say thanks to Chrissy for being on here. Um, but you know, like it's been fun to watch Chrissy over the years, like really step into her true calling, true lane, um, of being able to help online entrepreneurs be able to look at the data, make measurements, and then make like real informed decisions about their businesses. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that's exactly right. And and to be honest, it it all started back when we were coaching together. I used to get so frustrated because you would say, I don't know, just go test it. I'm like, I don't want to just test it. I want to know if this is the right thing to do. Um, so it it always felt like I was throwing spaghetti, but then I finally realized I had this aha moment. I'm not just throwing spaghetti. Everything that I'm doing is generating data. And if I can learn how to figure out those numbers there, it becomes a system. Um, and that's something that you can kind of rinse and repeat and use over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. And it was really fascinating to me, like early on, because I didn't really, as a baby blogger, didn't really understand like analytics or conversions. Like I understood traffic analytics, which I think is kind of like people who are listening are probably like, yeah, like I use Google analytics or like I use, you know, uh, Jetpack or like whatever. Like I understand how people are coming to my blog. That's all fine and dandy. But I think the part where people start to get like distress, right. Is when you're in the world of online marketing and you start stepping into selling, right? Like trying to sell anything, whether it be, you know, a printable, it could be an ebook, it could be a course, it could be services, whatever it is. When you step into that realm, like that was where I started to see really a lot of frustration um, with my clients. And there was a point at which, like, even for myself, I feel like I feel like it might have been Lena got, um, she's just like a, 
she's a numbers girl. Like she's like a CPA or whatever. And I remember that she and I were at like a, a friend's mastermind weekend and she was giving me like these different numbers and stuff. And my brain was just like, totally like, I don't know what you're talking about, like rejecting math and something that she said kind of triggered this thought. And so I started kind of realizing over time, like, oh, like the data helps you not only understand what's going on, but that it can also help you make predictions about what will happen in the future. And also depending on like what industry you're in and and like, you know, in blogging, like niche, niche lifestyle, lifestyle, whatever it may be, like there's these different things that happen when you're going through like, and thinking about sales. Um, So for example, I think the first time that I had this like big data light bulb moment was in seeing people, you know, like when they would go through a launch, for example, they would be like, this just didn't work. And they would be mad, right? And I'd say, how do you know it didn't work? And they say, well, I only sold two. And I was like, well, let's look at some numbers and see what happened, right? Um, and I would show people and they, they would be like, oh my gosh, right? <laughs> like when everybody tells you to do a launch and you're buying into all of that and you're expecting these like crazy sales, but when you do the real math on how those things actually play out, you need a lot more people on your list. You need a lot more like know and trust. Like there's all these variables that play into that. And so for example, I would always say, okay, you know, people would be like, what? Well, I, I launched this to a thousand people. How did I only make one sale? You know, and then we would work backwards and I say, how many people opened the email? And then you have these percentages that play out because realistically, if your normal open rate of an email is like 28%, you know, that's only 280 people that opened the email. And then of those 280 people, how many people click through? So for a click-through rate, we typically see anything from one to 3%, but it really depends on the engagement of your audience. I have some clients who have a click-through rate of like 20%. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely ridiculous. So it comes back to like, yes, there's norms, then there's your norm, right? What is normal for you? And if your click-through rate is a percent and only 280 people are opening the email, 1% of that are actually going to click your link. Like you're. Yeah. And it starts to dwindle down and people don't realize that. Right. So like, that was a big aha for me, which was, okay, well, if you have 280 people that open your email, and if you look at your past emails, just in prediction mode, and only 2% click usually through on your emails, then what's 2% of 280? It's like four or five people. Yeah. 5.6 people. Okay. So then only 5.6 people are seeing your sales page. So what is the conversion? Like what's a normal conversion rate, depending on what it is. Like what's the range for conversion rates generally on a sales page? Um, average is one to 3%. And where we like to get our clients is in the three to 5% range at okay. least. So even if it was 3%, what is that out of five people? Zero people? Zero people. Yeah. Okay. And what is what I'm what, saying? Point, point 0.15 of a 0.15, an arm of a person. <laughs> so, so not making a sale would be normal. 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 One sale yeah. would be a win. Huge right? win. Two sales would be an astronomical win because then you apply the large of the laws of large numbers and you say, okay. If this was to my list of a thousand people, 
what would happen if I launched this to a warm list of 5,000, of 10,000? Um, and then you get to make those really fun predictions. And that's how people end up having, you know, big five, six, seven figure launches. It's not because they're really great at sales. I mean, they could be, but it's more likely that they have a really big, warm, engaged audience. Okay. Talk to us about the term warm, engaged audience. Yeah. Warm, engaged audience. So these are people who are opening your emails. They're clicking on your emails. They are talking to you on whatever social platforms you use, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, um, the tickety talk, all of those different places, right? That's where you can generate your audience and connect with them. So a warm audience is not someone who signed up for your freebie five years ago and hasn't opened another email since. They're no longer warm. They're on your list, but they're not warm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense completely. Okay. People who are listening to this podcast are probably, you know, self-made writers, bloggers, people who are trying to build businesses with their right, right? <clears throat> we all know that like, depending on the type of blog that you have, especially with your niche and your niche lifestyle, people are kind of, you know, if you're trying to sell products or whatever it may be, we do know that email list building is important. And so like, when you think about, like, I think a lot of our audience are going to have some form of blogs and things like that. So when it comes to that, what do you really feel like are important numbers in blogging? Like if you're going to focus on growing numbers, um, what do you feel like are some of like the, like the most important things that bloggers can be working on or what yeah. do they know about? Yeah. Okay. This is a fun question. So we're going to, I'm going to kind of talk about people in kind of two lumps, right? So we have our content creators who really are just focusing on ad and affiliate revenue. And by the way, guys, totally okay to just focus on ad and affiliate revenue. Um, so those people, what they're looking for is, yes, everybody talks about page views. I'm not going to talk about page views. We all know page views are important, but once they get to your website, how sticky is your site, right? How long are they spending on your various pieces of content? When they're done with post A, are they moving on to post B or are they bouncing? Um, those kind of, I call them like the stickiness factor, right? So if you're super sticky and people are reading and they're engaging, they're way more likely to click that affiliate link or to bring in more ad revenue because they're continuing to read your stuff. Now, the metrics for someone who is focusing more on, okay, I want my blog content to drive people to my email list or to this really low ticket offer that I have. Then we start looking at slightly different things. So we want to see, are they on the page long enough to get to the call to action block where you're asking for the email address or you're asking them to click over to your sales page? If they're only on your website for, you know, 20 seconds, are they really engaged enough to actually click through? Probably not. Um, and the other thing that people like to look at, and I, I was guilty of this myself, right? I was putting all this content out there and then I would come to mastermind meetings with Kim and going, well, nobody's signing up for my opt-in. And Kim and her infinite wisdom would go, okay, so how many people actually saw the sign-up form? And then you look at, again, it's that law of percentages, right? If I had a hundred people come to my website and one person opted in, that's 1%. That's normal. Um, so we really start to think about what is the goal of what you're trying to build, right? Do I want people to buy products? Do I want email signups? Do I want ad revenue? 
And then we kind of reverse engineer what are the important metrics to monitor. Um, but again, for most people, I really like, instead of focusing on page views, I like to focus on how long are they spending on your website? How many pages are they visiting? Are they, you know, is a scroll depth long enough to see your opt-in or to see your offer? And then you go from there. So there might be people sitting here being like, well, how do I know how far they scrolled? Yes. So there's a couple fun ways to figure that out. Um, the first is a little bit more challenging and that involves Google Tag Manager, which is an extra step to analytics. But even if you don't have something that will automatically tell you a scroll depth, you can look at time on site. And that comes up with every single thing with Google Analytics, right? So if you go over to your website and you see that someone at the average time on page is 20 seconds, if you are actually consuming or scrolling your content, how far do you get in that period of time? It's kind of a more abstract way to kind of think about what that time on page means and how long or how much content someone's consuming in that amount of time, but it's the <clears throat> most approachable way to do it. The other way you can look at it is going, you know, ConvertKit or ActiveCampaign or whoever you're using for your email opt-in. And you can look at how many people saw the opt-in form. That's another way. So then mm -hmm. you can compare, okay, we compare how many people were on that particular page of your website versus how many people saw the opt-in form and you can kind of create those conversion rates. Yeah, awesome. Okay, so when it comes to blogging, somebody might be listening to you right now and they may be saying, well, I want all those things, right? Like, cause you were talking about like your objectives for what you're doing. And I think in blogging, especially, I think we're all seeking to diversify our income, right? Like we never want to rely solely on affiliates. We never want to rely solely on ads. We never want to rely. So, you know, I think people are trying to learn ways to diversify so that they're not, you know, all their eggs aren't in one basket. And so um, I think that comes back to having a plan or like having a goal for each thing that you create, right? Because even though we're creative, we are creators. If you're treating this like a business, you know, you have your passion posts, which you write, like, just because you want to, but the majority of your stuff has to have a purpose. Like it needs to have a reason for existence, you know? And so if you have a product to sell, it might mean that that particular piece of content's goal is to sell that product. If you have a list to build, it might mean that particular pieces of content's goal is to grow the list. And if you're trying to make affiliate income, it might be that post's goal is to create affiliate income. And you know, it doesn't mean that those three can't serve ads, but they have a purpose. And I think what you're saying is when it comes to deciding, okay, what do I, like, how do I test to see if this post, we'll just use an affiliate post as an example, is working, is like, if you're using Amazon affiliates, for example, you can go in and you can code basically your Amazon affiliate link to be focused on that piece of content. So like I have um, like a holiday gift guide that has a very specific Amazon um, associates number associated with it. My specialty links are specially marked links in that piece of content so that I can track. And you may know better ways to do that as like a numbers person, um, which probably is probably like a Google tag thing, I'm guessing. 
Or, yeah, you can use Tag Manager or you can use, there's um, things like Pretty Links and all of that where it will actually tell you how many clicks you're getting on any given URL. Okay. So ultimately, there are ways for you to specify that piece of content so that you can track what's actually working. Yeah. And I think the other important thing, Kim, and, and you're spot on, I, so many times, and this is true for even clients that we, we run ads for, right? We can't expect something we're going to, I'm going to jump over to ads for That's fine. for instance. Um, we can't expect a brand awareness ad to make somebody buy something. It's not going to work. The same is true in your blog content, right? We can't expect a passion post to necessarily drive signups to your email list. Could that happen? Yeah, absolutely. But is that the primary goal? No. If we're looking at what's working versus what's not, you can't expect, you know, sales to happen on a blog post where you don't even post the link to your sales page. Right. Right. Um, so it's or almost it's like, like hidden in text, like where you're like, okay, I'm going to hyperlink by now at the very bottom of this post. And I'm going to make so much money. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, so we almost have to frame our expectations around, okay, what is the purpose of this piece of content that I'm writing? What do I want people to, what specific action do I want someone to take from this one piece of content? Um, and as humans, right, our brains, like if you give me three options, I'm going to pick nothing because it's too much work for me to make that choice. So instead of offering your opt-in and your sales page and this and that and click this affiliate link, one post, one goal. Um, and if you stick with one post, one goal, you're going to start to see traction a little bit more quickly than if you were like, Oh, look over here. Here's a pop-up. Sign up for my email list. Oh, we're at the bottom of the post. Buy my thing. And it, it becomes more like guerrilla marketing, which is just overwhelming and disarming for today's consumers. So as a side note to this conversation, as you're number one, deciding the purpose of the content that you're creating and the goal, like all of that together is once it's done going on your phone or whatever in an incognito mode and viewing that piece of content as a user. Because I have a lot of clients who will be like, I have this affiliate post. I get tons of traffic. I'm ranking. I don't understand why I'm not getting any sales. And I go in and I look at it and I'm like, yo, like there's a pop-up immediately in this post. And you've mentioned this affiliate one time at the bottom of the article you know, and you don't even know if people are making it that far, you know, unless you're going to look at the data, you know, and so I just think that it is important, you know, just like what we're talking about is like, you know, just these simple steps. So strategy doesn't have to be like rocket science with this stuff. You don't have to have a marketing degree. It's really about keeping it simple, keeping it focused. What are your thoughts and you may not have any on this, but like, what are your thoughts on running, like having ads appear in affiliate posts or having ads? I mean, obviously you wouldn't have ads running on a sales page because that would be incredibly distracting. It would be really so disruptive. Do you feel like it's the same concept with blog content that has a call to action? That yeah. Is not ads? Actually, I love that you asked this question. Um, Today's consumers are incredibly distracted and we are so used to seeing ads and being served ads. I read a statistic recently that said the average person on a daily basis is advert 
receives advertisements for up to 10,000 different things, um, right? Because we're always constantly scrolling, consuming, you know, Netflix, TV, whatever. Um, so when we are reading a piece of content on a phone or otherwise, our brain is going to do two things. It's going to either overlook the ad completely, or it's going to get so focused on the ad because ads are really good at serving the right content to the right people to get them to click, right? Um, so if you have ads on your page and you're not getting clicks to your affiliate links or to your opt-in form, test taking the ads off that page and see what happens. Um, we had a client that I tested this with recently and they noticed um, a 17% increase in affiliate sales by removing ads off of their blog posts that were promoting that specific affiliate thing. So interesting. And it's possible that in that situation, the ads were serving the product and they were making less money from the ads serving the product or serving the competitor's product. You know, so if it's like Green Chef review and you got Blue Apron ads everywhere, it's very fascinating, the data. It is, it's fascinating. And the other thing, you know, think about, especially with AdSense, Mediavine, Monumetric, whoever you're with, right? They partner specifically with brands. And part of the way that those ads run in the background, everything is right an algorithm and AI, whatever, but they are able to read, read your content and know which things to offer people. So it's almost like on your Facebook newsfeed, for example, Facebook is really, really good at figuring out what you like. They're going to intentionally serve you ads that you are more likely to click on. The same is true with in-content ads um, on your websites. So interesting. Okay. So how do you think people can just be generally better, right? At data and measuring and things like that. Like, do you have any just general advice for people who are just kind of like, okay, you're right taking a lot of shots in the dark or I'm not really aware, like where do, where do people kind of get started? Like, what are you think the simplest places to find the data for them? And then are there any good resources for interpreting that? Right. So it's one thing to know what the numbers are, but you have to be able to know what they mean. Yeah. So the first thing I tell everyone is go play in Google analytics, go click around. Um, all data is, is an answer to a specific question. That's it, that's all data is. So when you are on Google Analytics, that very first screen, um, the home screen, you're gonna notice everything is a question and then a chart, a question and then a chart. So if you start to think in terms of what is the question, we can find the answer. Um, so I love just going and clicking around in analytics. I also really like, Google has a lot of really great resources. They have a free analytics course where it helps you understand more about how to use analytics, what you can get from it, um, what some of those numbers mean. Um, and that I recommend. And then I guess the goal always is test, see what happens, make it better. Yeah, and that's part of the evolution, right? So, and this is part of what, what we teach in Rebellion, right? All traffic generates data, right? And so then we have to take that data and we analyze it. Right, so we figure out, okay, so what are the numbers? And then we synthesize it and we say, okay, so what do the numbers mean? And then we take that and we go, what do we do next to make it better? So it's this continuous evolution. Mm -hmm. 
right? It goes round and round and round and round. Um, far too often people think, well, I don't have to, it don't, the numbers don't matter anymore. We're, we're just good. And that's not true. Um, all we're doing is generating data, figuring out what the data means. We tweak something else and yeah. around and around we go. I think you're right. It's very easy to get very comfortable sometimes with numbers and things until, right? Until you're like, why is this suddenly not working anymore, right? But then you have to get back in the numbers. And so you can either be playing catch up or you can be preemptive and, you know, be aware, be engaged, things like that. So if you're a person who's listening to this and you're like, well, this was a lot of data, Kim, in general, <laughs> the takeaway from this episode really is about not being afraid, number one, to dig into Google Analytics with your blog or your sales pages or whatever you're using and just see what is going on. And if you're using something like lead pages or using some sort of other platform that gives you, you know, whether it's your email list or whatever, but they're giving you some kind of data to use like opens and click-throughs and things like that. Um, like it's just important for you to get familiar with those things and be comfortable with those things. And you're not going to break Google Analytics. So play to your heart's content inside Google Analytics. <laughs> it's just like really simple things, like just being able to get in there and play around and see what's going on. If you've got a post that's popular on your website and you're like, oh, this is popular. This is amazing. Have you ever asked or dug in and seen why it's popular? Where is that traffic coming from? Who is sending the traffic to you to that post? Because Google Analytics will narrow it down to that post and it will tell you like how people are coming in and where people are going after. And that's all stuff that you can view. So if you've never spent any time like really analyzing what's working and figuring out why it's working or where that's coming from, it's a big part of having success. And like, even with some of my clients, this just isn't working anymore. I've gotten to where like I took over their screen and we get into the analytics and I'm digging down and down and I'm like, oh, look, somebody deleted this pin that was viral for a while. The pin doesn't exist anymore, you know? And they thought their blog had died some terrible death when on reality, they were riding some Pinterest wave, you know? So like the data matters because like where you might think, oh my God, my blog is dying. The reality is something changed. And if you don't dig into the numbers, you'll just sit there and you're, you almost sit helplessly, right? And if you're going to be a real boss, you got to get in the numbers. <laughs> you do. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think so many people aren't in an intimate relationship with their business data, right? So you don't necessarily understand the nuance of traffic patterns, or like you just said, a viral pin got deleted. Um, because when we're, when we're in tune with our numbers and we kind of know what's going on, especially when you know what's going on, when things are working, when something is like, ah, something's off here, you're able to then go back and very quickly and look at what's changed because you know your own patterns. I said this once before, all data answers questions, but there's almost always a pattern to it as well. Um, and that's where getting to know it a little bit more, spending more time in Google Analytics, it's gonna, you're gonna start to see the same patterns over and over and over again. And then you can start to leverage that information to bring more success and more success and more success. Yeah. And then one more question. Yeah. How, how do you do better Apple to Apple comparisons with data as a blogger, do you feel like, versus like an Apple versus orange comparison? So for example, people will be like, they'll make blanket statements like my traffic's down. If you were to say something like, okay, well, how do you know it's down? 
right? Yeah. And they're like, well, Google Analytics says it's down. You then you have to say compared to what, right? So like, right. what are some examples do you feel like that people get thrown off by regularly in analytics when it comes to like blogs and things like that? Yes, we'll ride the traffic train for a second. One yeah. of the biggest things with traffic, right? You can compare, Google will do it default the pre, to you know the last 30 days to the previous 30 days. Well, um, if your number one ranked post is about, I don't know, Christmas decorating tips and it's Easter, of course your post, you're not gonna be getting as much traffic. So it's better to make those kind of general comparisons year over year versus month to month. Um, because when we're looking at year over year, you start to see seasonality and trends um, in a way that's like, oh, well, now I know that, you know, every April things go on a decline, but I can expect it to pick back up in September, October. Those are kind of your business's patterns and your patterns could be completely different than somebody else's. Um, the other place where I see people get stuck is with um, sales page views. They maybe put out some really great content on social and they were getting a lot of clicks to their offer. And then next month they feel like, well, my offer sucks. No one's coming to my sales page anymore, but they seem to forget that, well, you're not, if you're not actively promoting it, no one's going to click. So it, it becomes that kind of a relationship where if you think that something is off, go back and look at why you felt it was working in the first place and what's changed. Yeah. What were you doing? What was happening? And then what's changed? Yeah. So it's all the before and after comparison things. So, so tell us more about what you're doing and, you know, how can people find you? What's, what's going on over a data-driven rebel, Chrissy? Yeah. I love to, let's, let's talk about that. So um, like Kim said, you can find me online at datadrivenrebel.com. That's my main website. Um, I'm also very active on Facebook at Data Driven Rebel. And kind of what we've got going on, we are in the middle of getting ready to officially launch our kind of hybrid group program, which is called Rebellion. And the core of what Rebellion is, is helping entrepreneurs make better decisions with the data that they have. Um, that is a core tenet of what we do for our one-on-one -on -one clients. And it is so important to me that I feel like everyone um, needs to be able to do that in their own businesses. So that's what we're cooking up. Awesome. Okay. And when you talk about rebellion, like what types of people are the right people for that particular program? So I, the way that I've been framing it, if you own a business and at some point you are hoping to make money with either your own products or courses or run ads, doesn't have to be both. You don't have to doesn't have to be both, right? You're either going to be selling products and products and courses, or you may want to add run ads one day. You're the right audience for okay. this group. Cool, 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 cool. Um, I hope that you guys who are listening have found this helpful. Again, the walk away is go play in Google Analytics. You know, be willing to do some compare and contrast. Be willing to go in and test something, see what happens, and be willing to tweak it and try again. Um, you know, one of the pieces of advice that I always got was don't change more than a variable at a time. What are your thoughts on that, Chrissy? Yeah. Yes. If you change like 16 things, you're never going to know which thing was the one that actually helped or didn't help. Um, 
yeah, one thing at a time, gather data and say, okay, what did this do? Did it have the desired impact or no? And then go back and you go back around the same wheel again. The other thing I like to tell people is don't be afraid to be wrong. So many times, you know, we feel like in our gut, we know what's happening, but then you look at the numbers and the data is like, no, that's not actually true. And so many people get hung up on that. Um, it's okay if your gut or your brain thinks one thing and the data shows you something else, that's fine. What matters is what you do with that information. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, I appreciate you being on here, Chrissy. You're amazing. And I'm so happy to see you just hit your stride. It's always thanks, Kim. Like a proud mama when I see Chrissy and I think to myself, this girl has done it. Like she has figured it out and she is in her lane and she is running hard and all this stuff. So anyway, <laughs> you're an amazing human doing amazing things for all these people. Whatever you do, guys, get out there. Just keep writing, but also check your data. <laughs> hey, before you go, have you ever thought about getting coaching for your business? If you have and you think to yourself that one-on-one -on -one coaching or whatever just is very inaccessible and a lot of the programs that you see out there are just like outrageously expensive and all these things, I want to encourage you guys to consider joining one of my mentored mastermind groups. Uh, my third quarter groups are opening right now, so you can go in and you can register. It's only a 12-week commitment. We go in, we set goals, and I will have the opportunity every week to kind of pour into you and to just get really personalized, hands-on advice about your unique business. Um, and it's been so fun over the years since I've been doing this for about four years, just to watch people like Chrissy just transform and transition into the lane that they're, they're needing to be in. And we all know that this is a journey. And I want you guys to know, like, I am a journey minded coach. Like I am here for you guys for the long haul. I'm here. I want to encourage you. Um, I am in this to help you continually grow and develop. And I would love to just play a part in your story um, to be able to have a time in your own blogging path where I have been able to give you the encouragement that you needed or the advice that you needed to kind of get unstuck, get over, or to, you know, find areas where there might be holes where your income's coming from. And those are the kind of things that I do in these mastermind groups. Like I help people be able to increase their income, help them buckle down and do the things that they can't do um, without accountability on their own. And I would just love to have you as part of these mastermind groups for this next round. So if you want to join, you can read all about it. So there will be a link in the description of the podcast episode, um, but it is 100% worth it. And so many people who come to the program say, if I did not have this group every week, I would have not done these things. And they know that it's a very productive time in their blogging journey. And I would love to contribute to that for you. So don't put it off anymore. Like it's, it's one of the most cost effective ways that I can help people in a very hands-on way. This is how the process works. You apply, you fill out a survey for me. I collect all the surveys from all of the applicants and then I hand match you to a group that is perfectly paired for where you're at right now and your journey so that you can get the most out of that group, the most out of the people that are in that group, um, networking, coaching, everything that you need 
and it'll be based on the time of day that you can meet that works with your schedule. So go ahead and apply and let's get to work.